Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Amanda Cottrell. She is a teacher, an author, an illustrator, and a yoga and mindfulness advocate. Welcome, Amanda. How are you doing today? I'm so great. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story and your journey. I'm looking forward to jumping in and learning more. Absolutely. Me too. I'm looking forward to today. So as mentioned, you are all of those things. You're also a speaker. Mm-hmm. You are one busy woman, and that's a hell of a lot of hats you wear and quite an extensive resume. How do you find the time for all of this? And how important is prioritization and organization to you? And how do you stay on top of things? I am a very organized person. I make sure that I have lists and checklists and everything. And I think being a teacher and wearing so many hats in the classroom has given me tools to wear so many hats in other areas as well. And because when I first became a teacher, I had to wait two years and then I got to do my master's. As soon as I had been teaching for two years, I started doing my master's. So I've always been like somebody that works hard. (laughs) (laughs) And wears a lot of hats at all times. My master's and I had like a toddler and I was like, now I have all this time. What do I do with myself? And so I remember running into a friend that I did my master's with. And she's like, I don't know how I finished my master's because it took up so much time. And now I have all this free time. And I and I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I started drawing and illustrating and just learning how to do other things that I was passionate about because doing those other things allowed me just to be really time conscious. And so how long have you been a teacher now? Uh, over 15 years. And you're a teacher in the traditional educational system. And what do you teach? Right now I teach grade five. So everything, okay. Okay. everything except music and gym. Okay. And so what lights you up or excites you the most about teaching? I absolutely just love working with kids and love seeing their like faces light up. And, and also when they get that aha moment, when they finally like get something in math or get something that they haven't realized before they learned something new or even just like the giggles and stuff that they have. Like yesterday we were doing a just dance in the classroom and the whole classroom was just like vibrating laughter. (laughs) Who else gets to do like a just dance in the middle of their day? True. True. (laughs) School teachers. Let's just bust out a just dance because we need to wiggle. (laughs) We can. (laughs) And and we're allowed to. (laughs) Amanda, with you being a creative what set you on the path of creativity and when did you get interested in the arts and how did your journey begin into the art world? Honestly, I've always been artistic. I remember in grade one, like I made a panda 
and out of a paper bag and something else. And they took my art to the art studio in the town that I lived in. And I never actually got it back. I still remember that. (laughs) (laughs) And then in grade four, I won like an award for my art. um, And I was in like a magazine. It was called Farm Safety. (laughs) (laughs) It was like you entered your drawing in the class, like in our classroom into this province wide. And I won. My drawing got in the magazine. I always did art in school up until the end of high school. And then I kind of fell away from it for a while. And it was just like university and everything else. And then once I got married and then divorced, I really found that when I was in my own home and had just time for me, I went right back to to the thing that I always loved to do as a child. And that sometimes when I feel like people are lost or don't know what their purpose is, is they really need to sit with themselves and think about what it is that they loved to do as a child and then spend some more time doing that. Absolutely. That's a great way for people to find their their purpose in life too. I've I've heard a lot of people talk about that. And the fact that I think we as adults, we get so caught up and so busy in adulting that we completely forget that it's okay to be a kid sometimes too and go back to that and just have fun, like just unadulterated fun. Absolutely. I think we need to bring fun and joy into every day. And so I encourage people to do something that they just love, even if it's just for five minutes. Like what is it that you love to do? Do that for even like five minutes if you can, and preferably an hour each day, but like even for five minutes. I love creating. So even if I'm creating on Canva for five minutes and that's all I have, then that's that's what I'm doing. I'm always creating in some capacity and and I get my best ideas in the shower or something like yeah. in the classroom. The principal was like, we need to have a meeting. We need to do this big school-wide art project. I'm like, I don't do meetings, but <laughs> I do something at the right time. And I'll tell you what it is, but on a walk by, like passing you by meeting and it will do it. But yeah. I'm not coming to your admin meeting because I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. I was talking with a friend yesterday and she was saying that she's got this idea she's going to be putting out and it's going to be a summer camp for adults because again, we forget what it's like to be a kid and there's nothing like that out there. She's going to create this summer camp for adults where I have zip lining and all these fun things for adults to do. Yeah. I think they have something like that at one of the camps by where I live. Um, because I've seen an adult camp and like a family camp. And I, I've seen something where it was an adult camp at one point in time, but I don't think it's been running since before the pandemic. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Even adults, like when I do art workshops for adults, they are so different than working with kids. With kids, I need to like hide the paints and be like, I'll give all the instructions and then give out the paint. <laughs> yeah. and, like giving and they're like dumping paint everywhere <laughs> and we're like okay like paint and they like spend 25 minutes deciding what paint to put in because they don't want to waste paint and i'm like just throw some paint on your canvas like it doesn't just be free be with it yeah exactly yeah. and exactly. it's like where did we lose that and i i don't know what age we lose that at because it's something that i've noticed in teaching adults when I do adult like wine glass painting workshops or just art workshops for adults, they don't just dig into the paint. They're so worried about doing something wrong. And I'm like, it's art. You can't do it wrong. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
I'm curious, with you being a teacher, what are your thoughts on formal educational training for the arts? Like, do you think it's necessary or are you of the mind, more of the mind that you don't need to have training to be an artist? Well, I think people would argue with me for sure that have gone through training to be an artist. I definitely think there's certain things that you need training in. Like if you want to be a potter, you probably need a few lessons on how to run a potting wheel. But I don't really have any formal training on being an artist other than my K-12 education and a couple of random classes in university. I've just always loved being creative. And I think that's the problem that we have with our education system right now is that people think, oh, I have to go back to school in order to do that. And like, you don't necessarily have to. I really think we need to rethink what it means to be educated. And I actually am going to eventually write a book on that with a bunch of different authors who contribute that haven't necessarily gone the traditional education route. Because so often I find people who have become very successful business owners and yet don't have any university or or very few university classes. And they feel sometimes like they need to go back to school to get a business degree. And I'm like, why? You're already doing exactly what you need to do. You're not going to learn anything but theory at the university. So like, I wouldn't waste my money. (laughs) Yeah, you're going you're going to the university of life. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and even as an educator, I learned more being an education assistant sub while I was going to school to be a teacher than I did in the teaching program. And that says a lot because I got to a bunch of different schools. I worked with the hardest kids in the school. I worked all over the city and I got to see all these different schools and all these different approaches all from being an education assistant sub because I crammed my courses into two days a week so I could work three days a week. Well, in my opinion, nothing beats hands-on experience. Now, when we're talking about people wanting to become doctors, dentists, vets, things like that, you have to go the traditional educational route. You have to go to university in order to do those things. But I think for most of the career paths out there, experience is your best way. Like hands-on experience, nothing beats that. Absolutely. That's always my thing. I say, if you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, a teacher, or an engineer, or an accountant, probably those are the things that you need to actually go to university for. But if you want to be anything else, you probably only need to take a few courses here and there. I even know people in marketing who are like, I'm learning more doing this with this person than I am in the university. Mentorship. Mentorship is key. Yeah, absolutely. As a creative yourself and you teach the arts, do you, this is something I'm always curious about. I love hearing different artists' opinions about this. So do you think that we are all born with an innate creativity? I mean, are people... Okay. (laughs) But I often wonder and think about it when it comes to artists, athletes, musicians, etc. Are there some people, I would say... 10, let's just use a round number of 10% out there in the world that are just naturally born with an absolute insane ability to play an instrument, to paint. You think of all the greats, right? Mm -hmm. Those people like Picasso and Beethoven and even recent like Eddie Van Halen and, and just those people, Jimi Hendrix, those people that just, it seems like they've come out of the womb just with their instrument or their paintbrush in their hands. It's just something that they just do, and they're amazing at it on that level. Now, the other 90% who aren't born with those abilities, we'll say, and need 
to practice and hone that skill. They need to put in the time, put in the hours and practice their craft. Do you think it's possible for those 90% to ever reach that pinnacle of ability and talent that the ones that are just born with it? Do you think that's something that's possible? through practice and and honing that skill to reach that level? Well, depends on what you determine or define creativity as, because I believe that we are all innately creative and that we all have infinite creative capacities within ourselves when we follow our passions. And so you may be unbelievably creative at coding and people will be like, oh, they're not a creative person, but yet they completely are. I had one parent one time tell me that their child wasn't creative. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, they might not be creative in the traditional sense in their ability to paint and draw and, and play musical instruments. But I've never seen a grade two student be able to code the way that your child can code. And then he was like, I've never thought of creativity like that. Yeah, there's many different forms of creativity, cooking, there's many things. But speaking about those those things specifically, like musicians and painters, we'll say, we'll just use those two as an example, and athletes. There are those people who are just born with that. They seem like they just, like I said, they come out of the womb with that, it seems like with that talent. Do you think that the other 90%, do you think it's possible for them to ever reach that level of expertise or musicianship or that skill level through practice? I do think so. Absolutely. Maybe not with athletics because certain athletes are just natural. Like some people will, I will never be the fastest runner in the world, no matter how (laughs) much I try. I will never be the fastest runner, but I definitely can be a good runner and can become a better runner by practice. And continual growth with that. But it really depends on what you're passionate about, what you want to, because those people, they wake up thinking about what they do. Like I have a cousin who plays university hockey. He from little, little, little would like get up, go shoot pucks in the driveway. He was always playing hockey. He came to visit. He'd go be out in the barn playing hockey. (laughs) Like my aunt and uncle had to have a hockey net out on the farm just for when he would come to visit because that's what he was always doing, no matter what. And at 12 years old, we thought there's no way he's going to go anywhere because he's so little. And then he ended up growing like crazy. You know, he's six, four, he's <laughs> university hockey. And right. so that's where his brain was 24 seven was hockey, 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 hockey. And so I think in order to get to that level, that's where your brain has to be, yeah. right? your brain has to always be thinking about that. Always, always, always. Will he ever make it to the NHL? Probably not. He could play in Europe and that is a very high level, but he practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced all the time. And that's what he like lives, breathes, wakes up thinking about all the time. You have to have that dedication for sure. You have to have that dedication. Otherwise you'll get distracted. I hear a lot of people say they don't have a creative bone in their bodies. It's just not who they are or it's not within them. What do you say to people that say that to you? Because I'm sure you've heard it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I say, what is it that you love to do? Because you can even now with phones and technology, my master's was actually in education technology. And initially I went into it thinking, 
I want to be on the cutting edge of technology in the schools. And then it turned into, because technology was changing so quickly, I changed the focus of my master's to how can we use technology to empower our creativity? Because no matter how fast technology is changing, we can use it to be more creative. And Chris Anderson actually talks about that on a TED talk of how YouTube is powering innovation. And essentially all of those people using YouTube, like we have these creative superpowers at our fingertips with our phones, and yet we don't necessarily use it. Yeah. And so there's people and we're seeing more and more creativity pour out of people on TikTok, on YouTube, on all of these different platforms that we've never seen on such a global level because you have a global reach now that you never had before. Yeah, true. What is your favorite form or way of expressing your creativity? I'm still a pencil and paper person. Like even when I draw for my books, I will draw it on pencil and paper first and then I will go to my iPad and draw it digitally. And so I definitely love to to paint and draw by hand. Old school. Um, I love it. <laughs> definitely the old school original. And then I'll do the digital part mm -hmm. first, but I, I sketch everything out in pencil first. Like I'll sketch my characters out in pencil and then take a picture of my sketch and then put it on my iPad and, and do all the layering and stuff. But awesome. yeah, I'm an old school. I like paper and pencil. <laughs> notes and stuff. Even my teacher planner is, is traditional. I, I created it and put it on Amazon so that I could have a my own designed teacher planner but it's because I like that paper and pencil I like to be able to go back to it not always be in front of a screen well and two the only way you're going to lose that is if you either misplace the piece of paper or throw it out whereas with digital if your computer crashes or your hard drive crashes that's it it's gone unless you backed it up exactly yeah what inspires you to create art where do you pull inspiration from when you're creating everywhere <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I sometimes get ideas in the shower. Lots of times I'll be, I'll be teaching and I like a couple of books have just come from what I felt the kids really needed that I didn't have a resource for. And so one of my books was called, what do you learn at school? And it was essentially to teach kids that they're not going to remember any of what I teach them really nothing. They will yeah. remember maybe one or two big projects that we did. Like think about what do you remember from grade five? <laughs> nothing. Exactly. I remember from grade five, I remember <laughs> one person brought a snake to class as like show and tell and it pooped on the carpet. <laughs> and I my friends were, and I remember we read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That's it. I don't remember anything else. And I tell the kids that and I'm like, guess what you're going to remember? Maybe one or two big projects. Yeah. If you're lucky, I'm like, you'll remember how people made you feel. That's, That's it. what you'll remember. The experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, let's be honest, the education system is fucked and it needs a complete <laughs> overall. And that could be an entire other episode on a podcast. We could uh, we could do a whole episode on the education system and then some. Absolutely. I actually spoke at the education alternative education revolution conference on rethinking what it means to be educated. Because so many people leave the school system feeling completely defeated, yet they are so gifted in so many areas that aren't being valued. Nurtured. By the they're not being nurtured either. Well, and they're not being nurtured either. And so I try to always find creative ways to let kids shine. So maybe yeah. 
we're doing like drama projects in grade five, or we do lots of technology stuff where like I'm just sat in meetings on, on how to bring in Minecraft into the schools to do like specific design build challenges. So I think, but, but there's like little gaps of it, the education system that are really trying, but the system as a whole is really dysfunctional. It's broken. It needs an overhaul. And I can tell you a lot of the people I'm meeting recently are are turning to homeschooling because the school system is so broken. They're teaching children, and you know this because you're in it, to memorize and regurgitate. What good is that? And you're not teaching them skills that they can use in life. Like teach these kids. Like when I was in school, we had home ec classes. We had shop classes. Go back to that. Those are useful skills. Absolutely. And it's interesting. I like I, I do a lot of technology stuff in my classroom and and I would teach kids how to use iMovie even in grade three when I taught grade three. And then last year, one of my students, I had taught her older brother and we watched one of his YouTube videos that had kind of gone viral, like he had over 6000 views and they had so much video editing in it. And I was like, yes, there yes. you go. Teach them useful skills. Teaching them useful skills. So I taught what I had to teach, but I infused it into something that's meaningful. And so that learning how to make videos and, and do the technology piece is a meaningful use of the like, whatever we were maybe learning about Peru or something. And I'd make them make a video about like, would you like to travel there? Pretend you're a travel agent. (laughs) (laughs) Like something like that. So it's like real life things. Pretend you are an accountant. What would you do if you had to, if you ran this business and like different things like that were, or you're a weather forecaster and these are the things that you need to know about weather because we have to do in grade five, but it's really those technology and research skills that I want the kids to get. It's not really the content. It's it's skills of being able to be curious, being able to look at things from multiple perspectives, being able to critically think, being able to collaborate with others and being creative. Those are the things that I think we should focus on in education. Collaboration is one of the most important things because that will serve you lifelong. Like I said, this is a whole other episode. We could go down a rabbit hole. I think sometimes, and it really, really depends on the teacher too, right? Yeah. It's so often it depends on on who your teacher is. And even in, in my experience with education, I almost failed English 30 because I had a horrible English teacher and I went from a 90 to a 60. And wow. yet I have three university degrees. So Holy shit. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm just wondering where the system went so wrong. Like, like I said, when we were in, in junior high and we took home ec, we took shop, like where did the school system change? Where did that change happen and why? Like it's mind boggling to me. There's been a lot of funding cuts, right? And so when they cut funding, where do they cut? They cut those things that they view as extra, but they're not extra. No. Those are like basic skills that we truly need. And so it's really like they're deciding what to cut based on what they value. And it it's, really is is people just at the top deciding. It's horrible. Yeah. Like cutting the arts. Kids need art. Art is so important. Music, all of that. Like they need that. 
these things are important to life. Absolutely. And it really, like my daughter goes to an art school, so she's doing music and art and drama and all of the things all of the time. So it really, again, pockets of places yeah. that are doing really good things and, and pockets that, that it's really dysfunctional. But a lot of it comes down to the core of the people in that building, yeah. not the system structure as a whole. You have said that we are all infinitely creative and that success is inevitable when we step into our creative power. Can you speak a little bit about that and what that means to you? Yeah, it means like, don't give up. (laughs) (laughs) And we need to persevere. Like my daughter the other day, she's like, mom, why do you keep writing books? Like, do they even sell? I'm like, yeah, they sell. Like, like I'm not a famous author or anything. I'm like, but I'm not going to give up. Not just going to stop because I'm not getting the results that I want. I'm going to like learn some more and keep going. I need to learn how to market better. I need to learn how to do social events better. Like those are the things that I need to spend some more time on or find somebody else that that's their passion and be able to collaborate with them. Because my passion is like, I'm more of an introvert. I like to stay at home. I like to like create when I'm at home and and just like curl up with my blanket and a cup of tea and paint or curl up with my blanket and a cup of tea and, and work on my computer. And that's where I like feel most alive in this. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. other people feel more alive in, in big social events. And so I need to find some people that want to collaborate and in that capacity and, and have those skills on social media that I don't necessarily have. And so my thing for people is like, we have so much creative gifts within ourselves. It could even be about farming. Like think about all of the different things that they like splice together and everything. Like there's creative things that you can do and innovations in every area. And sometimes it's just taking something that's already there and making it a little bit better. Absolutely. You also say that you empower others to use their inner gifts to fill their lives with passion and purpose. How do you do that? It's by really getting them to think about what they love to do as a child and what makes them feel most alive. Because what makes people feel most alive is different for every person. I actually had a conversation like this with a friend from my childhood this summer because I had reached out to them actually to talk to his parents about how they got started and how they became, they're like very, very wealthy. And I just wanted to know how they got started with their early childhood business of, they had a bunch of daycares across Canada and the U.S. and. Anyways, I had reached out to him and then we were just having conversations about different things that I was doing and different things that they were doing. And a couple months later, he reached out to me. He's like, thank you so much for our conversation. He's like, I have like taken what you said about learning on YouTube and learning and, and doing the things that I love. He's like, I went to a garage sale and I bought these like broken skateboards and I've turned them into skateboards that run automatically. And he's like, I've been tinkering. And like, he's just like, (laughs) it has filled me with so much joy. And he's like, I just love doing it. I can't wait to get home from work and go and like tinker in the garage and like build these things for my kids. And he's like, I just, I can't thank you enough for, for that conversation. Cause it's literally, I've spent like the last three months just creating in my garage. And I realized how much that fills me with joy. Conversation is a catalyst for change. It's inspiration. It's everything. Converse, everything starts with conversation. Absolutely. And two, that we don't necessarily have to go to university to learn something because Absolutely. there's so much learning that you can do on free platforms. It's 
unbelievable. Or even if you want to learn how to write a book or how to self-publish on Amazon, I'll eventually make a a course on it. But there's people who are already doing that. If I went to university to learn how to do it, I, I wouldn't learn what I needed to learn. Because those people aren't actually doing it in real life. Plus, you'd come out a hundred thousand dollars in debt, like that. Like we said previously, unless you're going through for those specific things, like doctor, lawyer, account. I believe personally, it's a complete fucking waste of time and money. It's a complete waste of four years, and you're coming out a hundred thousand dollars in debt minimum. Absolutely, you definitely need to pick specific courses. Because I have a friend who barely passed high school. He's actually the reason why I want to write the book, rethinking what it means to be educated, which is funny coming from somebody with three university degrees when he took <laughs> this book because he barely passed high school. Like he's been my be- one of my best friends since grade eight. He barely passed high school. He asked his parents to quit. They made him continue. But now he's doing very well. He owns his own business. He very, very, very well-spoken in his area of expertise. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't have any university degrees, nothing. He's like, yeah. but I, I've taken a whole bunch of courses. Yeah. All of these courses helped me grow and were what I needed to get to the next level of doing what I'm doing. But they have to be hands-on and they have to be meaningful. And For so sure. every course that I've taken, and I've taken a lot of courses, had to do directly with what I was doing so that I could get to the next level. It's like, I'm taking courses all the time because they do soil reclamation and, and cleaning up abandoned oil sites essentially and so it's all about like learning how to clean it up safely and there's so much that that i have no idea about that he's learned and all based on his industry and and having mentors and having that hands-on experience and so he was able to do that not by spending five years in university and then like great i can run this business it was i worked myself from from being basically like digging on a shovel up through owning a business and he would have never got to where he is by a four-year degree. Exactly. So I want to shift gears here a little bit. I would love to continue the conversation about education, but (laughs) let's shift gears a little bit. I know through previous conversation with you, Amanda, that yoga and mindfulness is a big part of your life and who you are. What inspired your journey into that world? Well, I've struggled with anxiety for my entire life. And I didn't even know that I struggled with it until I was about 18. And then after that, it was basically like going to the doctor and getting anxiety medication. And and that really didn't do anything for me. And essentially, what I've learned is through yoga and meditation, and just a mindfulness practice that I've been able to cure my anxiety and like have tools in my tool belt to be able to deal with it. But also that just getting a pill from a pharmacy or whatever is has zero way to help you. Yeah. <laughs> and so we need to look at people as a whole and to look at generational trauma and look at all of these different things in order to really be able to heal because there's not one band-aid solution. And I think mindfulness really opens that door to look at people from a whole, look at people as humans and look at look within and to really realize that you have the power within yourself to, to heal your life. Yeah. And essentially that's kind of 
where this has taken me is, is learning how to heal my life through yoga and mindfulness and meditation and walking my creative path. But a lot of the doctors and big pharma would much rather have you on those drugs and keep you zombified and walking around like a zombie all hopped up on their, on their pharmaceuticals because that's just better for them. Oh, absolutely. They want to keep you stuck on medication for your yeah. entire life. And essentially, uh, what I've been reading and learning and, and how even our current medical system started in, in the 1900s basically was like, this is the only way is pharmaceuticals made from petroleum products and all of the other ones are not part of Western medicine. And we took two different paths in the early 1900s based on Rockefeller. And um, it just, it's mind boggling to me. And yet I feel like more people are coming back to that traditional, more naturalistic approach. And, and there's definitely a space for Western medicine, but it's not the one-stop shop. We no. need to get people from a holistic perspective. And I think that's the part that's really missing is is looking at things from a holistic perspective, not just this one magical pill is going to save you or this one yeah. magical is going to save you. That's, that's ridiculous if you believe that. Again, this is a whole other episode we could get into. <laughs> <Absolutely. and do. laughs> what lights you up or inspires you the most about the work you do and are doing in the mindfulness and yoga, being an advocate as well. Just when people like reach out randomly, like I've had two people that really just like reached out to me this past summer and it just filled me with so much joy and inspiration, especially because they're like not from anywhere near me. And they reached out and be like, I read your book on this. I read your book. I am a rainbow. I just wanted to tell you like it has totally inspired me and my to help my child and do this and this and this. And, and I was wondering if you would be okay if I built a curriculum around it for holistic and mindfulness for kids. And I was like, well, I would absolutely love to, but I want to collaborate with you on it. And so that like, just those like, and she lives in the States somewhere. And then another person just reached out to me about my book. Um, I'm fearless. And then sort of same sort of thing. Um, just how she's using it with all of her kids. And she's like, I feel like I could use this book for an entire year with the kids that I work with. And she was a former teacher too. And she's like, it's just the best resource. And so I'm like, yes, like, even though it's like not selling worldwide and I'm not a famous author, but I went into it saying, even if my book helps one person, when I wrote the very first book, it's okay to feel. If it helps one person, then it's done its job. And that's the way we got to look at things, right? Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah. So that's kind of how I approach it is just, and that's how I sent it out to the world. Because originally, I I didn't know how to self publish on Amazon, I was just going to create one on my computer and print it off and have it in my classroom. And that was going to be where my book stayed. Right. And then I just believe the universe brought different people into my life to help me get my books out to the world and help me be able to speak to the world on a level that I never imagined myself doing. And, and it just keeps growing. Amazing. Amanda, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? What was your life like after you learned it? One of the best things that I've ever learned is to, is to be gentle with myself because I was always my own worst critic and also to, to learn how to, take 
time for self-care and self-care looks different for everyone. And sometimes self-care means walking away from toxic relationships and toxic people. And I think that's something that so often we don't learn how to do because we are brought up a certain way and we don't know how to set clear boundaries. And so essentially learning how to set clear boundaries with my time and my space and my energy has really been the best gift I could have ever given myself. What was a turning point in your life and how did it affect you? Escaping a toxic marriage. Absolutely. That was probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do because I was teaching full time in the middle of doing my master's and had a toddler and still continued to finish my master's while doing wow. all working full time and, and doing everything and escaping probably one of the most toxic people for me that I could have ever ended up with. And essentially, I just believe that I was meant to go through that to in turn, learn how to help other people and to be able to say, you know what, you're not alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have so much power within yourself to heal and to help others. And I think sometimes we get in this self-pity mode of why is this happening to me and poor me? And really it's like, it's happening to you for a reason because you're strong enough. Because you're right. strong enough to get through it. And when you get to the other side, hindsight will be 2020 and, you, and you'll be so grateful for that experience. And when I tell people I was getting divorced or whatever, like this was years ago, they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'd be like, I'm not. <laughs> the best I ever made in my entire life the best decision and we view go. it as like oh that was a that's you're broken and I'm like no I'm not broken yeah <laughs> this is the best decision I could have ever made for my daughter and for myself what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful empathy being okay. able to and I and I wrote a book on on empathy because I don't think that we can truly ever understand what another person is going through, but we can hold space for them and we can have empathy for them. And sometimes that empathy comes with setting clear boundaries as well. But I really do think that being an empath and, and learning that I'm an empath is actually like a superpower that I never understood as a child. And I'm really grateful for that gift. Now, speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Oh, that one's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> success really is just living in the moment and finding joy in the moment because that's all that we truly have. And success looks different for everyone because we all have different gifts to give the world. And so what success looks like to me is going to be different for you because you have different passions and different goals and different things that fill you with joy. And so while me success might be like going to yoga on a regular basis and speaking and drawing and creating somebody else's might be designing furniture or designing yeah. clothing or, or whatever, and, or, or acting and, and it's going to look different and it's supposed to look different. Because we want different things. Some people want the big house and, and all of these things. And some people want a little cabin in the woods. Yeah, and very true. Really is, success is defined by what you value. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? 
my daughter. I've learned so much from her and just she's made me grow as a person. She's made me grow as a creative. I've learned so much and, and I never wanted to have kids. So that's something that sometimes life gives you something that you didn't necessarily think you want, but it was actually what you needed at just the right time. It's a gift. It is a gift. Can you tell me about a moment when a person's kindness made a difference in your life? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> Pick one that really stands out. Well, just the, the the people that reach out and say, hey, my book really helped me. That just like makes my entire day, makes my entire week when somebody does that. And that like, that's so kind. But I guess the person who, who's been the kindest to me has been my aunt. My aunt has been there for me. No matter what, when I was getting divorced, I lived in their basement for free for eight months while my house was being built so that I could pay my legal fees. And she's just been my rock. She is the nicest person on the planet. And I only hope that I can spread the kindness that she has to me. Well, you're doing that through what through the work you're doing. So that's, that's beautiful. And again, such a gift. What Absolutely. Does, <laughs> what does the word empowerment mean to you? Oh, it means just filling yourself with that vibration of power and knowing who you are and knowing what you're meant to do and knowing that you have gifts to share with the world and that you don't hide behind that mask or hide behind fear that you're not good enough. And so when you step into your power and you spread empowerment, you're actually inspiring others to step into their power and spread empowerment. And the more we do that, I think the better the world will be because we won't live in fear anymore that we're not good enough because we truly are and we deserve to be happy and to be to be spreading joy to others and to be helping. And I think when we live in service, that's when we find our true purpose. And, and so often we're living in this world that's like take, take, take. And, and really when people find their true happiness, they're giving. And that's what I don't think that we understand. I love it. That That is definitely one thing that entrepreneurship has taught me. That was one of the most important lessons that I've learned so far is to be in service, to be of service to people, to go into things with the mindset of how can I help you? How can I serve you? What do you need support with? What do you need help with? It is so important. And I, you know, I really wish that more people in this world would realize that we are all born with a special gift to give to the world. And we need to share that with the world. Who are we to deprive the world and deprive the people of the world of the gifts that we're given? Those are given to us by the universe or God or whatever you believe in. Those were given to you. It's your duty to find them within and share them with the world because you're depriving the world if you're keeping them hidden. I agree with you 100%. And this is coming from somebody whose anxiety was so bad that I couldn't even like call to order pizza. So <laughs> like, I'd be terrified to phone and mess up the pizza order. Like that's how far I've come yeah. in overcoming anxiety and, and being able to, to spread my gifts to the world. Well, good for you for doing it. I just, I really wish more people would, would step into their authenticity and step into their power and step into their gifts because the world would be so much better off if we all did that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And so often we, we hide, we hide who we are. And I think that learning how to live in your authentic self is one of the best gifts you can give to yourself and, and to others. 100%.
Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions will just be one, two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Yeah. Amanda, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? In the mountains. <laughs> my daughter is. I love the mountains. So the mountains. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? People who waste my time. <laughs> and <laughs> meetings that waste time. Anything that wastes time that's not valuable. That's the one thing we can't get back is time. What is your favorite self-care practice? Yoga. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Spreading creativity. What's your favorite stress-reducing activity? Oh, yoga and meditation and painting. How would you describe yourself in one word? Creative. That concludes our rapid-fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> what challenge in your life has shaped you the most? Learning to be a mom and learning to be a single mom and, and raise a daughter on my own because she's 11 now and I've been raising her on my own since she was two. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? That we all learn differently and that we all have different gifts and that my job as a teacher is to find those gifts and nourish them for people and, and allow them to grow. That's an important role you're playing. Absolutely. What is the best compliment you can give yourself? You're growing. In the last two years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? I think waking up in the morning and, and sending love ahead to all of the spaces that I'm going to be. I think that's one of the things that I learned from a Louise Hay meditation is to send love ahead to all of the places that you're going today and, and to your home and, and to everything. And just like to spend a couple extra moments and, and send, send love ahead has been, it's really like a, just an uplifting way to start the day. I love that. What's something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the past year? That I have a lot more gifts than I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? This one, I read this one last night and I really thought like, wow, I don't know who it would be. or And then, then I thought a lot about it a little bit more. And I would really love to speak with a traditional healer of like the First Nations, Indigenous, like maybe Incan or something that like a medicine woman is something yeah. someone who I'd like to talk to just about like the healing gifts that they've learned and been passed down for generations and generations that's been suppressed. I would really love to just sit down in that healing space and learn. That would be a beautiful conversation. Yeah, I think so. And I, cause I, there's no famous people that I really care to speak yeah. to. <laughs> I think that, that some of the most authentic, genuine people aren't in the public's eye and and you can learn the most for sure. from some of those those people that really have a lot to share but aren't necessarily known to the world if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice what would that piece of advice be that every struggle that you have is actually a learning opportunity and to learn to ask yourself in this situation what can i learn from this and how can it help me grow that is a beautiful way to look at it. Lastly, Amanda, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart to your people, your tribe? I would say 
you are infinitely creative and you have gifts to share and you need to stop being scared of and step into your power and think if you don't know what your power is, then just think about what it is that you have the most joy doing and do more of that. Because when we do more things that we find joy in, then we vibrate joy and we spread that joy to others because our auras and our energy spreads to the rest of the world. And when you're vibrating joy, then you are spreading that joy to others. And that living in the moment and living in the moment of joy and vibration is is what we truly want for everyone. And we won't always live in joy at every single second of the day, but just to find more of that joy and peace within yourself. And that will help spread more joy and peace to others. Beautifully said and a great way to end the interview. Amanda, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story and your journey with us here today. I'm so grateful to have had this opportunity to sit down and speak with you. Keep shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world and doing the important work that you're doing. I appreciate you and you're such an inspiration. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for being able to come on the podcast and that it worked for me to come on before work. (laughs) And also, I just love the work that you're doing on empowerment for women because there's so many women that just need to hear that message that you have the power within yourself to inspire and empower your life. And the work that you are doing is so important. So I'm super grateful for you. Thank you very much as I am for you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Amanda Cottrell. She is a teacher, an author, an illustrator, a yoga and mindfulness advocate, and a speaker. Thank you so much, Amanda. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.